Okay. Get your Bibles this evening. Let's turn to First Timothy. First <clears throat> Timothy and chapter four. <clears throat> First Timothy chapter 4, and <clears throat> let's begin reading from verse 12 this evening. It says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing, in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. <clears throat> Let's commit our time this evening to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we do... Once again, thank you for this opportunity of being here this evening. We pray that you would just uh, prepare our hearts now to receive from you. That, Lord, as we uh, consider the passage before us, that you'll give us understanding of your word, that you would teach us through it, instruct us, that, Lord, you would apply it to our hearts as you see fit. Lord, I pray that you would uh, empower me through the Spirit this evening that it would be your words, it would be your thoughts, and that, Lord, you would be honoured and glorified this evening uh, in all that we do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, of course, it's been a while since we're in uh, the book of First Timothy. It was right back before Christmas was the last time we, we were looking at this, uh, this book, this letter. Uh, but last time we focused our attention on verse 12, uh, where we saw Paul encourage young Timothy in the ministry and encourage him in his leadership of the church. It says there in verse 12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. As we saw last time, evidently there were at the ch in the church there at Ephesus, there were some who were discounting Timothy's ministry. You know, they were looking down upon him as being too young, too immature to fulfill this position of pastor, too young to be in such a position of leadership, of authority. And so much so that they despised his youth. That word despise, we, we saw that it means to have contempt for someone and to show that contempt by action. And so there was people in the church there who treated Timothy with contempt contempt this was taking place it was happening they were showing him no respect for the position that he held and so knowing that this was the case Paul encouraged Timothy that the best thing he can do to silence those critics and to gain their respect would be to be an example of the believers and that's what he says there in verse 12 he says <clears throat> he says let no man despise thy youth but be thou an example of the believers and so he says, says this is the best response you can have. Just be an example of the believers. Live in such a way that you are above reproach so that you earn their respect and they will follow your leadership. And then, of course, Paul went on to give six areas where Timothy needed to be an example. 
in word or in his speech, conversation, speaking about his conduct, his behavior, charity, demonstrating God's love in everything that he did, spirit, his attitude, faith, his personal trust in God, and then finally purity was talking about living a morally upright life. And so basically, Timothy needed to focus on his relationship with the Lord so that he might grow spiritually and demonstrate these characteristics in his life. And now this evening, as we come to the final verses here in chapter 4, we find that Paul gives uh, Timothy here a series of instructions. A series of instructions. And he begins verse 13, he says, Till I come. So he begins with these words, till I come, and that indicates to us that uh, Paul had every intention of coming again to Ephesus, coming again soon. But until then, he had some instructions for Timothy concerning his ministry while he was away, you know, in his absence. And so he says, till I come, do these things. And so first of all, here we see that Paul instructs Timothy to give attendance to a balanced ministry. Give attendance to a balanced ministry. Look in verse 13 with me. It says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. <clears throat> so in verse 13, Paul uh, begins this series of instructions by telling Timothy to give attendance to three things, to reading, exhortation, and doctrine. And these three terms here refer to his public ministry. Okay, I'm talking about what he's doing in private. They are his public ministry. Ministry. The commentator Kent said this, these three terms, reading, exhortation, and teaching or doctrine, are all used with the article in the Greek. And so it's the reading, the exhortation, and the teaching or the doctrine. And so it suggests to us that these are public functions. And so Timothy is to give attendance to these three essentials in his public ministry. Now, the words give attendance here mean to give heed, attention, or to devote yourself to something, to be absorbed in something. And so basically, Paul tells <coughs> Timothy here to make sure that he devotes the time and the attention that is necessary to these three things when the church comes together to worship the Lord. He says that these three are to be of utmost priority. And the first of these is the reading. And this refers, refers to the public reading of the scriptures during the service. It's the reading of God's word. Now, in Timothy's days of, day, of course, that would have been largely the Old Testament because that's what they had available to them, the Old Testament scriptures. But then little by little, of course, you had letters that were beginning to be circulated and copied and passed on. And so more and more, they would have had those letters those New Testament scriptures as well that they were reading. But they would read the scriptures as we do, out loud as a body of believers. And it was a practice that was carried over from the Jewish synagogues. One commentator said this, the Jewish people always had the reading of the law and the prophets in their synagogues. And this practice carried over into Christian churches. Jesus read the scriptures in the synagogue at Nazareth. In Luke chapter 4, and Paul often read the lessons when he visited a synagogue. And we see one example of that in Acts chapter 13. Just turn over there, Acts chapter 13. 
<coughs> excuse me. <coughs> in Acts chapter 13. <coughs> and we'll read from verse 14 here. <coughs> in Acts 13 verse 14, it says, But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. And then it says, Then Paul stood up and beckoned with his hand, men of Israel, and yet the fear God give audience. And he continues on. It talks about here the fact that Paul, he went up to the synagogue and he was there for the reading of the scriptures, the reading of the Old Testament, the prophets, reading of the law, this public reading. And so this is a practice that the Jewish synagogues had and it's carried over now into the church, into Christian worship. And as the pastor of the church here at Ephesus, it was Timothy's duty to not only make sure that the scriptures were read, but it was also his duty to choose what was read to choose what portion should be read when they came together. The second element that must be a priority here is the exhortation. Okay, he says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation. Now, the Greek word exhortation here means comfort, consolation, entreaty, or to implore. And here it speaks of making application. That's what the exhortation here means. It means to make application of God's word to the lives of the people. So taking the scriptures, the reading, and now applying it to the people. And of course, that might be in the form of some encouragement based on what was read or a challenge. It may even be a warning from the scriptures. But the exhortation could take many forms. It was making application. One commentator wrote this, the exhortation refers to the public address which followed the reading of the scriptures and was intended to appeal to the conscience and will of the hearers and lead to appropriate action. So it's making application so that the people might then uh, apply it to their own lives and, and put it into action. Again, this is something that was customary in the Jewish synagogues and was carried over into the church we just read before in acts chapter 13 in verse 15 there after the reading of the scriptures the rulers of the synagogue invited paul to and his companions to give exhortation and it says that paul stood up okay it says ye men of brethren if you have any word of exhortation for the people say on and then paul stood up and gave exhortation unto the people paul proceeded to stand up and to Make application. He challenged the people that the Lord Jesus Christ is their Messiah and challenged them that salvation is through him and him alone. And that's the idea here. Timothy was to make sure that every time they came together, God's word was read and God's word was applied to the lives of the people. And then finally, the third element that Timothy was to give attention to is the doctrine. The doctrine. Now, the word doctrine here literally means teaching. And so it speaks of now explaining the meaning of God's word. The meaning of God's word. It's expounding the scriptures, giving understanding of God's truth. You know, back in chapter 3 and verse 2, Paul had listed the, the qualifications of a pastor, and one of them was apt to teach. 
apt to teach. You know, when we looked at that phrase, we said that it speaks of the pastor being someone who has the ability and the skill to rightly divide the word of truth. It also speaks of them spending adequately, adequate time sorry, studying the word of God, preparing themselves to teach. Preparing themselves so they might be prepared to expound the scriptures unto the people. Of course, as the pastor, this was Timothy's responsibility. And therefore, he needed to be prepared, ready to teach, ready to instruct the people in the truths, the doctrine of God's word. And so Paul here instructs Timothy to make sure that these three elements are a priority when the church meets together. The reading, the exhortation, and the doctrine, the teaching of God's word. You know, taken together, we can see that what Paul is talking about here is good, sound, biblical preaching of God's word. That's what he's saying here, isn't he? He's telling Timothy to make sure you preach the word of God and that you do it properly. You read the scriptures, you expound it, you teach the doctrine, and you give explanation, application, exhortation. Now that might seem obvious to us that these three elements are essential to preaching. That it's essential to a church service to read the scriptures and to make application and to teach. You know, so often those three can become neglected, can't they? And it's easy for one or more of them to be sort of dropped off and pushed to the side, not given the place that it should. Now, for instance, the service can be so full of other things, you know, special music, announcements, whatever else that, you know, we push the preaching right to the end and we only give it this tiny little bit of, it, bit of time. It's sort of tagged on the end. It's not given the attention that it deserves. The other thing that can happen is that the preacher can neglect one or more of these elements, can't they? You know, for instance, the preacher makes lots of application, but no doctrine, no teaching, no explanation of God's word. You see, all three elements are important when it comes to our public worship. One commentator summed it up well. He said, if there be no pulpit reading, exhorting and teaching divine worship is a misnomer. You see, we cannot worship the Lord without these elements. That's the point. We can't worship the Lord. All three elements must be given attendance, given attention, given priority when we come together to worship the Lord. Secondly, we see that Paul here instructs Timothy to not neglect his gift he tells timothy not to neglect his gift look in verse 14 it says neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery the second instruction that paul gives to timothy here is he says don't neglect your gift exercise the gift that god has given to you now the greek words translated neglect not he literally mean don't be careless about. Don't be careless. You see, Paul warns Timothy here not to grow careless. Not to grow careless and to fail to use that which God had given unto him. Fail to accomplish that which God had gifted him to do. Now the word gift here is the Greek word charisma. And it comes from the same root word as grace. Okay, the word that's translated grace throughout the New Testament. And so it speaks of something that has been freely and graciously given, a favor bestowed. 
when we're talking about a gift that God gives us, it's a measure of grace given by God unto the believer. You see, as believers, we've all been given gifts by God to use for His glory. We saw this recently in 1 Peter on a Wednesday night, but let's turn there. 1 Peter chapter 4. First Peter 4 and verse 10 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom we praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, First Peter makes it clear that we've all been given gifts, abilities by God to use for His glory, to use in service for Him. He's given us a measure of grace. And so it's our responsibility, like young Timothy, it's our responsibility to care for that gift, to cultivate it, and to use that gift as God has given it to us, as He intended. You see, we must not neglect the gift that God has given us. One commentator said this, he said, A gift is not a charm which is supposed to act by itself. It requires the cooperation of its possessor. God's gifts to us, whether of nature or of grace, can be neglected, and their neglect is a sin. We don't have to think of it like that, do we? But neglecting the gift that God has given us is sin. You see, God gave us those gifts for a purpose. And that purpose was to use them in the service of our King. To use them for His glory. And so when we neglect them, we are actually sinning against Almighty God. And in Timothy's case, he had been gifted to exhort and teach the Word of God. That was his gift. You know, Paul had just instructed him. He said, give attendance to reading, exhortation, and doctrine and now he tells me in verse 14 he says you're to do this using the gift that god has given you use the gift that god's given you timothy and exhort and teach the word of god and paul then reminds timothy that this gift was revealed by the spirit and it was recognized by others in his life that's what he says in verse 14 there neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. <clears throat> says that it was given to him by prophecy. This speaks to the fact that it was prophetically revealed to Paul and to others. It was revealed by the Spirit what Timothy's calling would be and what Timothy's gift would be. It was prophetically revealed. We saw this earlier on in chapter 1 and verse 18. Just turn back there, First Timothy chapter 1. Verse 18 says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Paul already mentioned this idea back in chapter 1, verse 18. He said that there was prophecies which went on before Timothy. When we looked at this verse, we said that it alludes to a prophetic word concerning Timothy and concerning his ministry that the Lord had for him. You know, something similar had occurred in Acts chapter 13 when Paul and Barnabas were separated unto the work. Go to there, Acts chapter 13. 
In Acts chapter 13 and verse 1, it says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. You see a similar thing here happened with Paul and Barnabas. You know, they're fasting, they're praying together, and the Holy Spirit reveals to the people that they should separate Paul and Barnabas for the ministry. The Holy Spirit reveals that they are the ones who are commissioned for this work of uh, missionary work, okay, to go forth and journey and, and to spread the gospel. They were the ones they should send and lay hands upon and ordain to the ministry. And so a similar thing has happened in the life of Timothy. The Holy Ghost has revealed by a prophetic word to Paul and to others what Timothy's gift is and what his calling is. And based upon that word of prophecy, the leading of the Spirit, they have ordained Timothy to the ministry. They've laid hands upon him, as it says there in verse 14. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. The elders had laid hands upon him. They had ordained him to the ministry, separated him for the work. And Paul here recalls these two things to Timothy's mind, the prophecy concerning his gift and the ordination uh, concerning this gift, this ordination. He recalls these two things in order to challenge Timothy not to now neglect that gift. He says the, the, the Holy Spirit revealed this, you've been ordained, don't neglect the gift that God's given you. He challenges Timothy to use that gift to God's glory, to fulfill his calling. You know, as we consider this challenge to Timothy, it's encouraging to know that, you know, when God calls us, he also enables us. He gifts us to do the work. He equips us. But also, like Timothy, we must not neglect that gift that God has given us. Wiersbe writes this, we must not be passive. We must cultivate God's gifts, use them and develop them in the ministry of the local church or wherever God puts us. We must not be passive. We must cultivate God's gifts, use them, develop them as we serve Him. And so having told Timothy to give attendance to a balanced ministry and told him to use the gift, not neglect it, that God's given him. We see thirdly that he tells Timothy to meditate upon these things. To meditate upon these things. Look in verse 15. He says, Now meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Now the Greek word translate, translated meditate here means to care for, attend to carefully or practice. And here it's a present imperative. So basically what Paul says is he says, keep on practicing these things. He says, continually be diligent in these things. That's what he says here. Keep giving careful thoughts and attention unto these things. Now the these things mentioned here, 
are verse 13, the reading, the exhortation, and the doctrine. Timothy needed to be careful and give attendance to these essential elements of ministry. He needed to be diligent in the performance of them. Now, this is contrasting with the verse before where he says, neglect not the gift, where we said there it means be careless with your gift. He says, don't be careless. Now in verse 15, he says, be careful about these things. Okay, it's the contrast here. Don't be careless, be careful. Be careful, take great care of these things. Give them great time, give them attention. That is needed. Indeed, the next part of the verse goes on to state, he says, give thyself wholly to them. He says, meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them. This is the idea that Timothy was to be completely absorbed by the ministry. He was to absorb himself in the ministry, throw himself wholly into the work that the Lord had for him. And the result of this, the result of, you know, keep on practicing these things, meditating upon it, and giving himself wholly to the work, the result of this would be that others would notice it. So he says at the end of verse 15, he says, Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. He says others will notice. The word profiting here means progress or advancement. He says, so he says that thy advancement or progress may appear to all. He tells Timothy to keep on carefully, diligently fulfilling and being absorbed by the ministry so that others see your progress, see your advancements as a believer. You see, remember, there were those who despised his youth, verse 12. There were men who looked down upon him. They discounted his ministry. And so Paul tells Timothy here, he says, exercise your gift, fulfill the ministry, exhorting and teaching the believers. And by doing that, by throwing yourself into the ministry, they will see the progress that you've made. They will see that progress. And in turn, they would see that you are fit for the position of leadership that God has given you. He's again going back to that idea, you know, that they rejected him. They were despising his youth. He's going back to that and he says, throw yourself into the ministry. Be careful about these things and they will see. They will notice the advancement. They will see the progress in you. The commentator Kent rightly noted this. He said, A constant attention to the work of the ministry removes many a criticism before it begins. You see, one of the best things we can do in the face of opposition and criticism is put our heads down and faithfully serve the Lord. That's really what he's telling Timothy here. He says, Put your head down and faithfully serve the Lord. Faithfully give yourself completely to the ministry. Fulfill the calling. That's one of the best things we can do when we're criticized, when we face opposition. Put our heads down and keep being faithful. And that faithful labor will not go unnoticed. Others will see. It'll be a wonderful testimony and glory will be given unto the Lord. That's what he's telling young Timothy here. Put your head down and be faithful in the ministry. And then he tells him finally, he tells him to take heed. Take heed, look in verse 16. He says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. 
continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Paul concludes this chapter with an instruction to take heed. Take heed both to his own personal life and also to the teaching of God's word. And the order here is important. Timothy needed to take heed to himself first of all. In other words, he needed to give attention to his own spiritual growth, his own walk with the Lord before he could fulfill his calling. Again, it points back to verse 12 where he exhorted Timothy to be an example of the believers. Paul reminds Timothy here that his walk with the Lord must come first. He needed to pay attention to his own spiritual growth. And then he needed to take heed to the doctrine, to the teaching of God's word. He needed to deepen his own understanding of the word of God, the truths contained therein, so that he could effectively teach the people. You see, Timothy needed to take heed, give attention to both these things, his own personal walk with the Lord, spiritual growth, and his understanding of the scriptures so that he could effectively teach the doctrine to the people. You know, he needed to do this continually so he might grow spiritually and be effective in his ministry. And that's the, the meaning of the last part of the verse. It says, Take heed unto thyself, and unto the doctrine continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. You see, as he continued in these things, he would save himself. In other words, he would work out his own salvation. He would grow spiritually. And then he would save them that heard him. Or in other words, he would help them to grow spiritually and work out their salvation as well. Now also included in here is the idea that he would save himself and those who heard him from being led astray by the false teachers. Remember, that's how the, the whole chapter started back in verse 1. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. He started out the chapter talking about his false teachers who were entering in. And now he concludes by saying, by taking heed to yourself and unto the doctrine, continuing in these things, you'll save yourself and then that, that you teach, those that hear you. Save yourself from this false doctrine, these false teachers, and save those under you as well. He would be effective in his ministry. You know, this final instruction here in verse 16 is important for all of us as believers as we seek to serve the Lord. You see, we all, like Timothy, must give diligence or take heed to ourselves, first of all, our own spiritual growth, our own understanding of the truth, so that we might then be used to accomplish God's will, to accomplish His calling. You know, this evening we've seen Paul give Timothy some instructions concerning his ministry. Timothy needed to seek to maintain a balanced ministry not neglecting the gift that God had given him, but carefully, diligently using that gift to exhort and teach the people. But in order to do that effectively, he needed to take heed to himself 
and to the doctrine of God's Word. And beloved, may we all likewise recognize and use the gifts that God has given us. Give ourselves wholly to the ministry that the Lord has given us. Making sure also that we take heed unto ourselves, our own spiritual growth, and also to the doctrine of God's Word. Our understanding of the truth, so that we might be effective for the Lord here on earth. Let's close in the word of prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you, Lord, for these instructions to Timothy. Lord, as he pastored the church there at Ephesus. And Lord, I pray you help us all to realize that we all have gifts that, Lord, you have given unto us to use for your glory. Help us, Lord, not to neglect those gifts, but help us to use them. Help us to uh, be careful in diligently using them to your glory. Help us to throw ourselves into the ministry that you have for us. But Lord, help us to make sure that we prepare our own hearts, that we take time to be with you each day to grow spiritually so that we might be effective for you in the ministry, Lord, we pray. Bless as we close now this evening. We pray these things in Jesus' name.